Well, it's exciting to be together there. Happy New Year. And uh, this promises to be the best sermon of the year so far. So uh, I have that going for me today. I woke up with a little bit of a cold today, but uh, we're all good. The Lord is with us. I didn't want to put uh, Roy or uh, Jason on the spot last minute like that. So we're going to go for it here. And uh, hopefully, you know, I want to also welcome uh, some of our longtime friends or some of your longtime friends. The Steele family is here with us. Um, I know they've been kind of making the rounds, hanging out with everybody, but uh, welcome. We're grateful to have you guys here coming back to uh, to send, uh, to have fellowship. And uh, I'm not sure what initially brought you into the area, but just maybe warm weather. Family, maybe? <laughs> okay, amen. Well, welcome. Glad you guys are here. And uh, we've had quite an interesting week in the Sweeney household here. And uh, some of, many of you have probably already heard, but Chloe uh, got engaged yesterday. <clears throat> and, um, or actually Tuesday, she got engaged Tuesday. And uh, they got engaged down at uh, my sister-in-law's place down in Orange County. And some of you were there to celebrate with us. And uh, so thank you. But what an amazing day. What a special uh, memory. What an answer. Talk about answered prayers that we've been praying for however many years. And Brandon is one of those guys that makes us all look bad. (laughs) You know, like he got the the right ring and all the different ways, like handmade by the family jeweler and our family. So he somehow got in touch with everybody to figure out what type of ring, where to get it made and all this stuff. And he actually, he's a good listener, too. And so on their times that they were talking, I see some of the guys already start laughing. And uh, so in one of their conversations, she mentioned that one time a song that she would, ever since she was a kid, wanted to be sung to her when she got engaged. That was like one of their first few dates, like over a year ago. And so he remembered that and worked it out to play uh, play the piano at her sister's place that she didn't know that he played the piano and not only did he play the piano but he played that song for her and they recorded it it was it was quite an emotional uh, moment to think about to watch it back and think about all the ways that uh, God is working so thank you for all of you I know a lot of you have been a part of uh, Chloe's life here she went to high school out here and graduated out here and just has so many amazing friends it's kind of like we she got baptized in Orange County, and then, like, the next day, we moved here. And so, like, her whole life as a disciple has been out here. And uh, so that was just a really special way for us to end the year. And uh, today being New Year's Sunday, we're going to kind of look back a little bit today. We're going to look ahead a bit. I'm going to share with you. I have a little bit of a Christmas intro, but then I have, I'm going to share with you three passages that caught my attention last year. So if you think of it, it's maybe the highlight reel of the year. Uh, at least for two of them, it's the highlight reel. One is still up in the air, but uh, I wanted to share it with you. But just reading, kind of finishing the Christmas story and thinking about a, a little over a week later, after eight days passed, it was time to circumcise the child. And he was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived conceived in the womb and just to imagine this time of new beginnings 
of new birth and how even now, even as he was a child, people's lives were being touched. They were being transformed. And this was a big deal in the Jewish culture, the naming of a child. And so to be called Jesus, which we heard a few weeks ago, means the Lord saves, was significant in that time. And I think even as we go into the new year, that that could be a God's spirit towards us, that he still saves, that he still wants to save us. Even if maybe you're already saved, but he wants to save you again. And maybe you're not saved and he wants to continue to save us. And he not only does he want to, but he does. You know, God is working in so many ways. And I hope that today you can see that a little bit. If you're visiting with us, I apologize in advance that today has to, I, I do my like once a year. I do this sermon that everybody knows what that is. My orange tree. So you you win the prize if you're here visiting with us, Steel family, others. So uh, that's going to be one of our passages. But uh, let's say a prayer as we get started here. Uh, Father, I pray that you, uh, you work with us here. I pray that you continue to save us as we go into the new year. Your word says that you continually save us and forgive us and make us new and give us power and strength from your spirit and I pray that you will make this year uh, one of the best, if not the best ever for us, God. Uh, help us to learn to walk with you, to learn to trust you, to learn to look to you for strength, for everything. You are everything. Help us to trust you with everything. And, Father, I pray that you use your word today. Maybe it's not even something that I mention, but that your word spurs us on to whatever you need to get across to us. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So the majority of my time we're going to spend in John 15. It's still one of my favorite passages. It works. If, if ever you don't know what to read, you can just read John 15. And it, God works every time I read that chapter. And so we're going to spend most of our time here and then a couple other uh, shorter ones here. You may have to turn to it because I don't think you can see that, but... In John 15, we're going to start in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit, by itself, unless it is in the vine. Man, this print's even small for me. <laughs> let me start. Let me start that one again here. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it is in the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit, because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you may bear much fruit, becoming my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. And I'm just going to hit a few highlights that stuck out to me as I was reading these verses. The first one was that 
God is called the vine grower. And because of the translation, it, it, it says it a little different, but sometimes we feel like we are the ones that produce our own fruit. Like, I got to change this year. I got to make resolutions. I got to come up with new plans of actions. And it doesn't say that. It says that God is the one that makes us grow. Amen. You know, I, these, these are some of the oranges from the tree there. And I almost did nothing this year. And it, We've been doing this for a number of years, and it just kind of goes on its own. I, I fertilized it a couple times. One orange got killed by a rat or got eaten by a rat, and I remembered to turn the rat noise on, and that was it. And it, it just went all by itself. And sometimes we can feel a lot of pressure going into the new year that I need to change, I need to grow. and You know, just stick with God, and you will grow. You, you will change. It's not going to be you doing it. God is the one that is the vine grower. And it says that he removes every branch that bears no fruit. And some, in other translations, it says he cuts off every branch that bears no fruit. And when you cut off a branch, it seems very violent. You know, like when we go out hunting or whatever, and we're trying to set up a blind, we go into the bushes, and we just start hacking down bushes to kind of make a cover for ourselves. Sorry, you're not a hunter, but that's... That's what it makes me think of. I'm just like, he just goes in there and we just whack him down and just try to get it done as fast as you can. It just seems kind of reckless. But here he says that he removes every branch that bears no fruit. Instead of thinking of God just hacking us, you know, I don't want to lose any part. I don't want him to cut any part of me off. Do you? But sometimes he takes something away. That we want. And that's part of his pruning. It's not just him changing us. It's sometimes it's him taking away something that we really want. And saying, you know, you don't, you don't need this right now. You don't need this. Maybe you don't need this at all. But maybe you don't need this right now. Maybe that's for later. And when that happens, we can be like, no, I want that. That's why it was here, because I needed that. And he's like, no, you don't need that. You just need me. You're You're good. I'm the one that gives you the fruit, and I'm the one that takes it away. Not because I hate you, because you don't need it. Because now is not the right time for it. And that's where we can kind of get into some challenge. I know I can get into some challenge. Later on, it says that he, he does prune us, that he study, he's been studying you since you were in your mother's womb. He knows more about us than we know about ourselves. He knows where we're going to be at the end of this year. He knows if we're going to be here at the end of this year. He knows where we're going to be. He knows everything about us, and he carefully prunes us. He carefully trains us to know that we have, you, have, you have a personal trainer from God, that he is working us out. And all it says here, it says, I didn't even count how many times, but it was at least five times. He says, just abide in me. Just remain in me. That's what the NIV says. Remain in me. Just stay with me. Just don't leave. As Darren Yester always says, don't get off the bus. God's driving the bus. Just stay on and you will grow. And you will make it and you will be cleansed. 
He says to, to, that you are already cleansed by the word I spoke to you. That you're not working to be clean, you're already clean. You're not working to be saved, you're already saved. You're not working to get to heaven, you're already going to heaven. Let's not forget the grace that he's given us. Let's not forget that the confidence. I bet if I asked you right now, you would have a hard time saying, I am clean. I am saved. I am going to heaven. That's, sometimes that's hard to say. I am clean. Well, I'm clean, but there's a few things that I'm still trying to work on. No, you're, you're already clean. That's like the starting point. Yeah, there's a few things that he's still working on, but you're already clean. And to know that you're, you're secure as a child of God. Amen. To know that you're safe. That you're in a safe place with God. Amen. That you don't have to be afraid that he doesn't just kind of... No, that's, that's not, the, that's not that, our God. Right. You know, he prunes us, but he, he prunes us in a safe way. If you think about it, when you have a hard conversation that you have to have with your child... You try to figure out what is the best way to do this, right? How am I going to do this in the best way? It's still not going to go well, but, you know, how can I really do it? And, and do you think that God doesn't do that? You think we're the only ones that do that? God gives us what we need in the, the best way, the way that we can handle it in the way that we need it. And maybe we, we still won't like it. But he gives it so we will be able to handle it and we'll be able to take it. There's also a a, a number of times in here where he says you can't do anything on your own. Probably three or four times he says that in different ways. One time he even says it kind of two verses right in a row. You You can't bear fruit unless you bear in the vine. Yeah, you're part of the vine. And by the way, you still can't bear fruit unless. That to me just says be stay humble. Stay humble. We're, we're nothing compared to God. It doesn't matter what our position is, who we are, whatever. We're just, we're just trying to love Jesus. Amen. That we got nothing to prove. That we can be humble. We can apologize. We can just take a place of, hey, God, I'm going to take whatever you come, God, come in my way. You know, uh, I had a f- good friend that, sent out a message this week about trusting God. He says, you know, it's easy to say, but it's a whole other thing to do. Amen. And just let's make it our goal. I'm going to trust God this year. And let me show you a little what, what trusting God is. Trusting God is not all the things that you have a plan for. That's not trusting God. You have a financial plan, and you have a medical plan, and you have a plan for how you're going to get your job. That's not trusting God. That's trusting us. And God might be using that. But trusting God is the things that you're scared about right now, the things that keep you up at night, the things that you think about when you first wake up in the morning. That's what trusting God is. It's the things that are out of control, the, the things that are uncertain, all those things that we don't like. Anybody like those things where you have no idea what's going to happen? I hate those things. Those are the things I try to figure out and try to come up with a 12-step plan of how that's going to get fixed. 
And God's like, no, that's not what trusting. Trusting me is when you, when you don't have a retirement plan and you're trusting me. That's what trusting me is. I don't know if I recommend that, but that's what trusting God is. When you don't see something and he still wants you to believe it's going to happen. There was twice in this passage, this, these verses, and once in the time later, where he says, if you do these things, you will bear much fruit. You will have blessed life. God will give you an abundance. And that can be hard, too. To feel like, man, God bless me. God's going to bless me. I told you about that song last year that's just called Bless Me. It just says, bless me over and over and over. And it makes me so uncomfortable. But isn't that what our kids do to us? Bless me. Take care of me. Drive me here. Do this. Sorry, Connor. (laughs) There's two other times where he says, ask me for whatever you wish and you'll receive it. Now we're getting really hard. God wants us to ask him for what we need. And now, I don't know, a lot of you, I look out, some of you have been Christians for a long time. At a certain point, you reach, at least I have at times, where I'm just like, God, do I need to pray today? I mean, you know what I need. I mean, like... Do we have to go through this whole thing? I mean, you know what I need, and I already told you what I need, and so just let, you know, just do it, right? You know, I'll... Some of you are like, oh my gosh, this church is in trouble. (laughs) But I think sometimes the longer you've been a Christian, the more you stop asking God. Because you don't want to be disappointed. Because you don't don't want to be that bold or whatever it is. But God wants us to be bold. Don't just ask him for a little crumb. Ask him for the whole pie. Somebody said, you know, you have to God-size your prayers. Don't just ask for a parking spot. Come on. That's, That's terrible. Ask him for the whole mall. Ask him for the whole parking lot. Ask him to... Not just change your life, but change everyone around you. Change your entire city. That's what God does. Jesus was getting his name just like all the other little kids. And we go, wow, that was amazing. They didn't even notice him. He wasn't even noticed. Jesus, okay, in the books. But God had so much more planned. And that's how I believe he looks at all of us. Let's see what we have here. Okay, we have some pictures of the trees. Yes. This is Old Faithful, the Old Faithful orange tree. I didn't really count all the, the oranges. Last year, it was 65. It looked like about that. I just kind of said, yeah, it's a good year. Uh, having a good tree. Got a close-up of some of the fruit there. It was pretty, I mean, it was so much. They were hanging on to the ground. It was awesome. Um, again, and I didn't have to do anything for that, and so I just want to kind of talk a little bit about some of the needs that we have in our in our tree here, and as we're looking into the new year, and and some of the practical things that you have to do, I guess. But one for six months prior to September, uh, we were having trouble getting people to teach our kids. 
right? I mean, we had, we had, I don't know how many announcements we had. We were practically begging people. And then I don't know what it was, but all in, God knows, somebody, some of you were, I'm sure, involved. But we went from, like, having no teachers, and then in one week we had, like, 20 teachers. Literally, like, one week later, and I was just like, what happened? Like, let's do that again. That was great. Um, and so I just want to encourage those that stepped up to teach the kids. And a lot of it was people who have already been through one time, and now they're going through again, right? They've had all their kids, and their kids all grown up and moved away, and now they're, at some point, they're like, you know, uh, oh, man, I, I did it. I'm done. And then they're like, no, we need more. And so a lot of those people started over. And so thank you for reinvesting in your church, for saying, hey, it's not just for my kids to get through, that I'm reinvesting again. Because God, it's not about where our church was 20 years ago when the Steels were here. Amen. Bless their hearts. But it's more about where are we going now? And we're going to go where we all invest, where we all grab hold of it. And that's what I saw with that, with that time with the kids is that everybody was like, hey, we need to make this. This is our church. And God's going to use us. And that's the beauty of uh, having a church our size is that everybody makes a difference. And so it's time to reinvest in our church as we've started doing And part of reinvesting is continuing to meet together in person, fellowship. You know, when I had my Christmas time, it was really, I mean, I talked to my parents in Florida. That was cool. But it was really special for everybody who was there and sharing a meal together and hanging out and laughing, joking around. And I really am convinced after these last three years that being together is a lot better. I know we tried to make it work. And we tried to make it sound as awesome as it was to be online, but it really wasn't all that great. <laughs> There'd be people crying on my Zoom call, and I wouldn't even notice. Right? I'm not the most observant person. But if they were in a, in a circle with me, I would have noticed, right? So it, let's just be together. And guess what that is? That's also an investment that we each need to make. I'm going to be with my friends. I'm going to help people that need help. I'm going to be there for others of you. And really, our church is going to be whatever we make it. And however we invest, God is going to bless. You know, there are a few people, like the hoax. How's it going, guys? They they can't drive at night. You know, I know Beverly has trouble with our midweek at times, driving at night. And so there's that... That's kind of an issue, and there's certain people that we're, we're, we may not ever see them in the building for a long time. So maybe we need a family group that's all online. And that would mean that we would need a family group leader that would be willing to do that and excited about that and wanting to make that all it could be. You know, and so that's maybe that's something. If you're interested in that, let me know because that's a possibility we're really thinking about. Um, a couple things that are coming up oh, are, 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 are giving. And again, if you're visiting, I apologize here. But um, this past year has been quite a year, right, on the finances for us. I mean, they just have to look at the 
gas prices and see that, man, we are struggling. Um, and so our contribution this year went down about $650 a week. You know, with all that we went through, I'm not making any comments about that. I'm just telling you, hey, that's what it was. So you can do the math. You know, it's about 30 grand. That's not coming back unless we invest or people that aren't investing now invest more or people that, you know, you guys know what that means. So that's, that's where we're at. And that's where I believe God's going to produce uh, some fruit out of that. Um, but now, now, now that you know, I would ask you to pray about that so God can continue to move there. Uh, I won't bore you with my lemon tree. Still doing, still doing good. On one half. This is the good half. The other half's not so great. One, this one's the one that faces the sun. And then this is my grapefruit tree. <laughs> Literally, uh, it was like January 31st that it died. It was just dead. I kept thinking, maybe it'll come back. Maybe it'll come back. It was just crispy. The whole thing. It stayed that way. Every time I walk by, I go, okay, what, is there a spiritual message here uh, relating to John 15? I don't know. I figured maybe, hey, he's cutting this tree, got cut off. Uh, then I came in one day, and the gardeners didn't even ask. They just, like, hacked it down. Probably that's good. They're taking initiative. And so then I looked at this hole for the last couple of months, thinking, like, what is this message here? Maybe that is the place for new opportunity. It doesn't matter what used to be there. What's going to go there now? And I think even as a church, we're we're starting the year with a prayer midweek, not just because we couldn't think of anything else to do, (laughs) but because we really want to be like in Acts 1 where he says they prayed that God would send power and they didn't know when that was going to come. I mean, it only took them 50 days, but they didn't know how long it was going to take for God to show up. And we're kind of praying and waiting that, hey, God, we're, we're looking for you. Amen. There's somebody in here that's going to maybe come. He's going to touch. And then maybe it's not going to be me. Maybe it's not going to be any of us on staff. Maybe it's going to be you. And we're all going to go, yeah, we want to do that. Whatever you got, God got you into, that's what we all want to get into. That's where he's leading us. And you see that happen in the New Testament, um, which leads me to my next uh, point here. I'm not going to read this whole part on John 15. You can go read that on your own. Uh, The one part that always sticks out to me here was he says, uh, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. And then the next sentence, he says, I have said these things so that you may so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And I always kind of stop there for a second and go, that my joy can be complete. And just think, man, I want that. I don't know, I don't know that I have that, but I want that. I have some joy, but Jesus said that he came to give us joy. Everything he wants us to do is for us to be joyful and be happy. There's a difference there, but I won't get into that. But he wants us to be filled with joy. That whatever situation that we're in, we can find joy. Whatever situation you're in, you can find it if you look for it. I can find it if I look for it. There's complete joy in Christ. 
And maybe that's not going to be fully realized until we get with Christ, like permanently. But there's a joy there that he wants to give us, that he just doesn't want to give us more stuff to do, that he wants to fill us up in our soul. Maybe you're feeling weary. This is a good time to pray that he'll fill you up. We'll talk about that in a minute. Okay. This is the passage that kind of has me thinking about next year, this coming year. I don't know if it's going to be my favorite passage of this year, but something along these lines probably will be about the Holy Spirit. And my word of the year, as I mentioned uh, last week, was patience. And part of it is because of this master's program that we're in. And we read, I don't know how many books we read last year, about 20. And I use the word read loosely for myself. I looked at about 20 books. I read, I don't know how many, I won't say how many I read, but Danielle read 20 books last year. Um, I got to probably at least page 100 of 20 books last year, and, and, and I can only take in so much. But part of my reason for patience this year is because we've gotten so much, so many, so much information, and usually you read a book, you pick out all the good ideas and things, and then you do it, right? Oh, I'm going to do that. Then you read another book, oh, I'm going to do that. And then you read another book, and then you read 20 books, and you're just like, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> That's why I'm praying for patience, right? Because you see, like, oh, there's so many things that God may want us to do. There's so many strengths that we have. There's so many weaknesses that we have. Because everything we do is kind of related back to us. These are the things that we do good, and these are the kind of barriers, the things that get in the way of us doing good. And so every book, you think about the good and the bad and the ugly, and you go, man, I need patience because this is a long journey. And I can imagine God looking at us, and he's getting, man, i got so many ideas, but you're, you're probably not going to do them for a while. But he's just so patient. And so I'm just praying that God will lead us where he, the things that he wants us to do first. And again, like I said, maybe that will come uh, from you. But this passage, we're, we're considering doing a series on the Holy Spirit. And some of that, for me, came from this passage. This is Jesus. He says, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now that, <clears throat> I don't know if I ever really went with that passage like it's better for jesus to leave and he's going to send you the spirit because most of the time i think like i'm not even sure what the spirit is when am i in the spirit when is the spirit leading me when when is it my own emotions you ever have those thoughts okay and then he says you know you're going to be able to do a lot more now that i'm gone and we've always thought, you know, because there's more people, we're going to not have to be limited to one time and place. That's not exactly what he was talking about. But he's really saying it is better, the spirit that we have is better than being with Jesus. I don't know about that. I, like I said, I'm not sure I'm with that yet. But that's what he's saying. He says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said, he will take what is mine and declare it to you. And for a lot of us, we have been taught that the Spirit is going to come and lead you into all truth, is referring to the Spirit leading everyone to write the Bible, and then they're going to put the Bible together, and then we're not going to need the Spirit anymore. That's what we've been taught. Maybe you haven't been aware of that, but if you think about it, the Spirit is even bigger than the Bible. How many times do you hear about the Spirit in our fellowship? The Spirit led me there. The Spirit told me to do this. The Spirit prompted me. And now I know where you do hear it when it comes to uh, evangelism. The Spirit led me like Philip to the Ethiopian. Why? Because we can put a book, chapter, and verse on that, so we feel pretty good about that. But the Spirit is a lot bigger then what you can put, or I can put a book, chapter, and verse 2. And so I'm just trying to get you to think about it, because as I've thought about it, everything I feel comfortable about the Spirit is because I can put a book, chapter, and verse to it. But there's a lot more to it. He says, I'm going to lead you into all truth. Not just, the Spirit didn't just stop when the Bible was written. He's still going. Actually, the spirit is a feminine, so she's still going now. That the spirit is leading us. He's a, she's alive in our church. And so that makes me uncomfortable. Because I want it to all be, like, figured out. It's like the same as my financial plan. You know, you want it all figured out, and then I don't have to trust God because I have it all figured out. And sometimes we can like it that way with God, that we have it all figured out so we don't really need the Spirit to lead us. And I'm not saying we're going to start being crazy, but I, we do need to open up our minds. Jesus says that the Spirit is what makes us aware of him and aware of the Father. So kind of, this may not be your revelation, but my revelation was every time that I'm connecting with God, I'm really connecting through the Spirit. But I don't give the Spirit much credit. Because that's what's in me, and that's what's connecting me to God and Jesus. They didn't preach the Spirit. They preached Jesus, but they connected to Jesus through the Spirit. So I don't want to... I don't know if that makes any sense to you, but I'm still trying to figure it out myself. So it might not make sense to you. That's okay. But I think we need to give the Spirit a lot more credit, and we need to be a lot more open to what God is going to do. And we, we're going to still love the Bible. We're going to still follow the Bible, but we're still going to open our minds to where is God leading us Amen. as a church. We're not going backwards. We're trying to go forwards. And I think the Spirit has something to do with that. That was all. That wasn't in my notes there. So, <laughs> Let's take our communion. This passage is very special from this year. It says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin that clings so closely. 
And let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him endured the cross, disregarding its shame, and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such hostility against himself from sinners, so that you may not grow weary or lose heart. In your struggle against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, and you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as children. If you're feeling weary, if you're feeling tired, you can re-strengthen yourself through Christ. It's good to be reminded that not that very few of us have ever shed their blood, if any, for Christ. And that he wants us to run with perseverance so that we can receive that crown of glory with him. Let's pray and think about how God is pruning you this year. How God has brought fruit into your life. How the Spirit is knocking on your door. And ultimately, how we've taken our eyes off of and how we need to continue to refocus on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you for this time. We thank you for the ways that you are leading us. We thank you for the ways that you make things grow out of us that are of you, even when we don't even know or we're not even aware. Thank you for your spirit that you've given us that produces these fruits, uh, peace, joy, love, patience, kindness, all those things that come from you. God, I pray that now we can trust ourselves to you, that you are safely pruning us and training us and helping us to be filled with joy, to be filled with fruit, to have the blessings that come only from you. God, help us to trust you. Help us to look at those areas that are unknown with, with a new faith and a new, new zeal and a new uh, trust. God, thank you for sending your son. Thank you for his body and blood that opened a way for us. We love you. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.